But it's my joy to share God's word with you today. Um, and as, as I do, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I've titled my message today, The Anatomy of Grace. The Anatomy of Grace. Now, if you're a note taker like I am, um, whether it's through your app or through, you know, old school, just bringing out a pad and a, and a pen, I encourage you, you're going to want to take notes today. You can look on the app and follow along with my notes there. But I'm going to be using a lot of scripture references that you may want to jot down and maybe throughout this week look at them later and continue this conversation of the anatomy of grace. But today we're going to look at the inner workings of God's grace. Grace entered the world when God said enough is enough, that he was tired of having the division between God and man. He wanted to break down the walls and he did that through sending his son Jesus Christ and how many are glad that he did that. Amen. He said, enough is enough. I'm going to finally break down the walls that is dividing us between man. In the Old Testament, they were under an old covenant. But when Christ came, he established a new covenant. He established a new contract with us. And in order for us to understand grace, allow me to kind of go back to how grace got to where we are today. And in order to do that, you have to look at the Old Testament. You have to go back to the Old Testament. Now, between the Old and the New Testament, we call it the silent years. Because for 400 years, at the end of Malachi, for 400 years, everything ceases to, 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 as far as biblically is concerned, everything kind of comes to a halt. There's no more uh, David and Goliath stories, battles. There's no more uh, the prophecies. Everything stops. Now, history continues to move forward. You had the Syrians come into power. The Egyptians come into power once again. Then you also have, um, uh, of course, Alexander the Great as he tries to take over the world. And then the Romans come on the picture. But for all practical purposes, when it comes to biblical teachings and what we understand in the Bible, for 400 years, it's just silent. Nothing is happening. I kind of look at that between the end of the NBA season and the football season. It's so boring in between that time. All the guys understand what I'm talking about. And that's what's happening there. Nothing is happening. And during that time, they were under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. In order for them to have an atonement, to have forgiveness, they had to, the priests had, there was all these rituals that had to be done on behalf of the people. And God said again, he said, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to kind of once and for all create a new avenue between God and man, and I'm going to do it through my son, Jesus Christ. And along with, with, uh, with speaking of that, Malachi, who's the last prophet in the Old Testament, we don't know a lot about him, but we, his job as a prophet was not really to, to ex- express who he was, but to express what God is saying to, to the people. And towards the end of the Old Testament, he's talking to them about you know, the, the, the wrong things that they're doing, that they were, they were under God's judgment. But towards the end of Malachi, as he ends his, his words to God's people, he talks about that there's going to be one like Elijah that's going to come. And we recognize, and most scholars believe that was talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist comes on the scene, and we know who he prepares the way for. That's when Jesus Christ came, and it was during his three years of ministry that Christ established his love for his people here, and he made the ultimate sacrifice for us, and it's because of his sacrifice on the cross we now have a new covenant. It's because of what he did for you and I, we can now have the, the God's amazing grace that covers our life. And how many can shout amen with me? We're so glad that he did. Amen. So what is grace? First of all, grace is good news. Grace is good news. 
When it, times when we come to God's word, there are many times that it stretches us, it pulls us. In fact, what does God's word say? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you mad. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to make you mad. How many know what I'm talking about? Because it's going to stretch you. It's going to make you, it's going to change you. It's going to want to mold you into what God wants. But there's a number of scriptures that just encourage our hearts. In fact, you look at this in the New Testament, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Can I tell you, that's good news. Somebody say good news with me. Matthew 4.23 says this, and Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew 11, 4, and 4 through 6. And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Now think about that. If Jesus came to bring good news to the earth, what had they been hearing for a long time? Bad news. <laughs> They really haven't been hearing a lot because it was so, there was again, there was this complete divide between God and man. But when Jesus came to the earth, he brought hope and he did it by, by sacrificing his life and that introduced grace to us today. So allow me to share some things about the anatomy of grace. First of all, grace is the whole package. Grace is the whole package. Now I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1 through 10. Now, I'm going to read quite a few, but it really sets up this entire message. So follow along with me on the screen or, or on your app or in your Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in their hearts, in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And here's where it gets good. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Some of you need to highlight that and circle that, that, that sentence right there. It is by God's grace that we have been saved. Amen? Amen? Verse 6 goes on to say this. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and has seated us, in the, seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So that God can point to us in all future ages, ages as an exa examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all that he does for us, we who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And, when you, can't, so, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So remember verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. And I love verse 10 that God says, God says that we are his masterpiece. You need a person next to you and say, I am God's masterpiece. I don't know who you are. God knows. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? 
this, these 10 verses clearly talk about God's grace and his love that he has for us. You know that word saved, we talk about being saved, that's where we get it from in scripture. The word saved comes from the Greek word zozo, sozo. And that word literally means, represents forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation. It also means deliverance, healing, restoration, and blessing. Can I tell you, that one word of, of being saved, speaking of God's grace for us, that is the whole package. He gives everything to us. He doesn't say when you come to Christ and you accept him and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and you invite him into your heart and you ask him to save your life spiritually. He doesn't say, okay, you get just half of my grace. I'm going to give you the rest as you work for it. He doesn't do that because there's nothing we can do to earn it. He says you get the whole package. Think of what Psalm 103 verse 2 through 5 says. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Oh, can I tell you, church, when you receive God's grace, you get the entire package from God. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. You get everything from God. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Second thing I want to share is, you know what? God's grace is unearned, undeserved, and it's unmerited favor. It's unearned, it's undeserved, and it's unmerited favor. We live in a world where we have to earn a lot of things. You have to earn a raise. You have to earn a position or, or to, to kind of crawl up that ladder in the, in the corporate world. You have to earn a living. I remember when I was um, just dating on, in fact, this coming Saturday, my wife and I will be celebrating 22 years of being married. Amen. Yeah, she's so lucky. And I remember when I first started dating her, I was in high school and, and I graduated, went to college. And I remember coming home. She was in Dallas and I came home during the Christmas holidays and I would work at my old job. I would work at Haagen-Dazs downtown on the Riverwalk. And then I would do like every good San Antonio and I would go to Mitiera at night and we'd hang out with my friends. And I remember one time I asked some mariachis. I said, if you're single, you need to take notes, okay, because I'm married up. So <laughs> I asked the mariachis to come, and I went to a payphone. I went to a payphone. I got like $10 worth of quarters. For all the millennials in the room, a payphone, it's this thing that comes out of the ground. It doesn't have to go to space. And anyways, it just it allows you to make calls, right? And I called her on the phone. And I said, hey, baby, I got a surprise for you. And I had the mariachi sing a song called Ay Unos Ojos. Mm, come on, somebody. <laughs> Why? Because I was pursuing her love. I was trying to earn it. Aren't you glad? Listen, you can't earn God's love. You can't buy it. You can't do well enough. You will always come up short. You need to understand that your debt has already been paid because there's nothing you can do to buy it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't sing the greatest song in the earth and see if God will give it to you. Can I tell you, you have already received his undeserved, unmerited favor. That's the grace that God gives for us. Isn't it good to know that where sin abounds, God's grace abounds even more. He covers it. The stupid mistakes that we make, the dumb decisions that I've made in my past, can I tell you, it's under the blood. Many times we have to deal with the, 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 circ the kind of the results of, or, of sin. We have to work through that. 
But when it comes to being forgiven, God covers it with his blood through his son, Jesus Christ. And hallelujah for that. Amen. Not only is God's grace unearned, undeserved, or unmerited favor, but God's grace is love in action. It's love in action. God, even today, his love is pursuing many of you. Even today, you've probably walked into this place, and this might be new for you, and you're, you're kind of in a different, uh, uh, maybe in a different environment, but you feel something tugging at your heart. You see the smiles that are on everyone's faces, and you know what? The Holy Spirit's kind of tugging and knocking at your heart, saying, listen, there's a, I love you, and I'm pursuing you with my love and my grace. We serve a God whose God's grace is love in action. He is desiring to bridge to us. Not only that. But God's grace is not getting what you deserve, but what God wants you to have. God's grace is not getting what you deserve, but it's getting what God wants you to have. Listen, our human nature, we want people to pay for their mistakes, right? Y'all afraid to be honest. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Has somebody ever passed you up going like 50 miles over the speed limit? What's the first thing that you say? Man, I wish SAPD is right on the other corner, right around there. And then the next thing you say, I hope they get pulled over so I can slow right down by them while they're being pulled over. Say, ha, 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 that's what you get. That's our human nature. Our human nature wants people to pay. And many times when we have, because we have that mentality, we think that God wants us to pay. We think that how can God forgive me for the things that I've done? I remember having a conversation with somebody one time, and I was witnessing to them, just telling them about the love of Christ. And they just went, listen, you know, but Mark, you don't understand of all the things that I've done, there's no way that God can forgive me. They feel like we have to do something. But can I tell you, we don't get what we deserve. We get what God wants. Here's what Romans 3.22 says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right. The NIV says justified in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Church, can I tell you, because of God's grace, we don't get what we deserve, but we can step into what God has in store for us. He takes our sin, the dumb things that we've made, and he puts them in the deepest parts of the ocean, and he desires for us to move forward. Why? Because we've been justified. What does justified mean? To declare free from blame, to be free from guilt, from the penalty of sin. Yes, the wages of sin is death. That is very clear. In fact, when when we have sin in our life, it separates us from God. But not only does it separate us from God, it separates us from our our marriages. It separates us from our spouse, our kids. When sin is just consuming us, it separates us. But ultimately, sin separates us from God. God's word says in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that's where his grace steps in. We need to understand it's not getting what you deserve, but it's getting what God wants from you. Number five, God's grace is based upon his performance, not yours. It's based on what? On his performance and not yours. You know, the message of grace is what sets Christianity apart from many other religions in this world. 
Because in other, in other religions, their anatomy of grace is, is an emphasis on performance, on works. If you live holy enough, long enough, you observe all these rituals, then possibly then you might earn salvation. That's not how it works with God. That's not how it works with God. Jesus, when he died on the, when we, when he died on the cross, it's, the Bible says that we were, yet he died for us while we were still sinners. So there's no way that we can earn it. Now let me kind of put a disclaimer here and kind of take a, a, a sidestep. Some of you, maybe you're, you deep theologians are thinking right now, what is he talking about? Can I tell you? Listen, yes, we don't have to do anything to, to earn God's salvation. We don't. But it doesn't mean that once we receive Christ in our heart, once we ask him to forgive us, it doesn't mean that we just stop, that we just are, are eternally secure. That's not true. We can decide to walk away from God. We can choose. God gave us a free will. We can choose to say, I don't want to have anything to do with God anymore and walk away. We don't just accept Christ, accept his grace, and just live the way we want to. That's not what a making great life is all about. But we do need to understand when we first come into the encounter with God's grace, he forgives us and he forgets and he has a making great pathway in store for us. But we have to choose to stay on that road. Grace is based upon his performance, performance and not yours. And number, number, really, this last one really goes hand in hand with what I just spoke about. It's what he did. Grace, it's about what he did, not what we do. It's about what he did, not what we do. You know, after we're saved by grace, sometimes we feel like we have to continue to earn it. How many know that if you jump in a swimming pool, you're going to get wet? Right? I remember about three years ago, on Mondays, a lot of times I would take my kids, we would go to SeaWorld, and we would love going to the water park, and especially the Lazy River, because you can go to the Lazy River and absolutely do nothing. That's what I loved about it. We can go in there and just have a good time and just let the water take control and just let it, you know, kind of guide us. It was fun. We were in there splashing one time, and... <laughs> And there was this, this person that was next to us kind of just walking because, you know, you can either swim or you can kind of just walk in the lazy river at SeaWorld. And they were getting all upset because we were splashing and getting them wet. I was like, really? And if you didn't want to get wet, get your butt out of the pool. And my kids, we just had a blast. We had a good time. Listen, you can't jump in the pool and hope that you get wet. It's going to happen. When you receive God's grace, it just comes all over you. It can't be separated. God's love will consume you. God's forgiveness will come all over you. It will not be separated from you. You don't have to try to work for it because it's what he did, not what we do. And Paul was trying to, to help the Galatians to understand this. In fact, today or later on this week, you might want to go back and read Galatians chapter 3. But here's some of the things that he was saying. Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much enough, uh, for nothing if it is really, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Or is it because you believe what you have heard? For so many of them, the reason that back going then and there, that why Paul was having to teach this is they were still attached to the Old Testament law where there was a separation between God and man. Paul was saying, listen, you don't have to do that anymore. God's unmerited favor is, is, is there for you. It's free. It's a gift. It's not what he, it's not, it's what he did. It's not what we do. 
And when we come into God's house to worship, to sing, it's not for a check mark. It's not so that we can prove to God that, that you know, we've done our part and we're earning our, our grace for the week. That's not what it's about. We come to, to worship God because we want to. When we pray, it's not because we want to look up and make sure he sees us, that we're, we're praying and that we're reading God's word so that we can continue to earn. No, we need to come to God's word or read it. We need to come to God's uh, personal time and prayer because we want to. It does nothing to try to earn anything because he's already taken care of that. He's already taken care of it. So remember, it's, not, it's what he did, not what we do. And many people today, they, they try to earn it. They try to, they, they, they live under condemnation that, that, you know, that because of their past mistakes, it kind of just haunting them. Can I tell you, you need to get free from that because of the grace of God. Now, there may be consequences for our sins that we have to work through. There may be rebuilding that we have to do in a relationship. We have to own that. But when it comes to the grace and the favor of God, you need to stop believing the, it's the lies of the devil that he says that you are not good enough, that you haven't really received grace because of, of your past. Can I tell you, he went to the cross for your past, and he went to the cross for my past. And there's no sin that he cannot forgive. You know, you're probably wondering what this pot is up here, this cooking pot, thinking Pastor Mark's cooking some caldo or something like that, huh? But you know, when you put water in here, and you put it on the burner and it starts to heat up, we know it's going to start boiling. About two, over 200 uh, degrees, it's going to start boiling. And boiling water can be very intimidating. It starts to kind of bark at you and snap at you, and it's boiling, nasty, and just growling. And carrot, Mr. Carrot comes around and says, you know what, boiling water, you got nothing on me because I'm just solid muscle. I'm solid all the way through. The carrot says, I'm going to go into this boiling, nasty water. I'm going to get in there. But what happens before too long? It just becomes mushy and soft. It's destroyed. Then Mr. Egg comes around. He's got a hard shell on the outside. I've got a force field. Even though the insides are a little bit uh, uh, sensitive and they're, they're, they're very delicate. But it's okay because I've got a hard shell. Nothing can penetrate this. So what happens. He gets into the nasty boiling water. He gets in there, and before too long, what he thought it was protecting, it becomes hard. It just penetrates right through that, and it's completely changed. The water's still winning. But then here comes Mr. Little Teabag. Teabag says, oh, man, boiling water, you just barking at me, nasty, splashing everywhere, looking all like you're all that. I got you. Because here's what's going to happen, water. When I get inside of you, I'm going to change the way you look. I'm going to change the way you taste. I'm going to change the, your consistency. You're not going to even smell the same. Because when I get inside of you, you're no longer going to be that nasty boiling out water. I'm going to change you. Oh, can I tell you, church, that's exactly what the grace of God does. When he comes inside of us, we don't think the same. We don't talk the same. We don't look the same. It's all because of the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to shout hallelujah for that. Because of the changing grace through God's love. Hallelujah. He changes us. We're no longer the same when Christ's grace comes inside of us. We're no longer the same. And I'm so thankful for God's grace. Because can I tell you what Mark Molina deserves is hell. I deserve the worst. 
but because God loved me so much, because God loved me so much, he died so that I can humble myself before him and say, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Grace consume me. But then from that day forward, can I tell you, God wants us to continue that pathway of making great. Would you stand with me this morning, this afternoon? getting ready to come to a close so just hold with me just for a couple more moments and I want to pray with you I know everyone's excited to start your Sunday as soon as this this uh, service is dismissed I'm going to jump into dad mode and drive to Corpus Christi for a soccer game with my son so so just hang on all right if I can do that you guys can hang with me just a couple more minutes but listen can I tell you I want you to walk out of here in the confidence in God's grace Now listen, remember what Romans says, do we sin so that grace may increase? No, absolutely not. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't use grace as a crutch. Oh, I can do what I want to do on Friday night because Sunday I'm coming to church. Mm -mm. It's not how it works. But at the same time, you need to have that confidence that because of the sacrifice Christ made, he forgives us and he forgets and we can move forward. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask a very couple quick questions before we dismiss. And I pray. In fact, I just ask you for a private moment for just a few moments. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? And then I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. There's some of you, there's two people that I want to pray for today. One, just the weight of sin and the weight of the past has just been weighing on your shoulders and it's almost like you've been carrying around weights all day long. You get up and you feel them on your, on your shoulders. You walk at work and you feel the weight of your past on your shoulders. You can't advance in your relationships because you feel the weight of, of the past sin on your shoulders. Can I tell you, you need to stop believing the lie of the enemy and let God's grace cover that. So here's my first question. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Mark, that's me. Pastor Mark, you know, I, I've, I've, I've received God's grace, but I just still feel the weight of the sin. And I just need to feel freedom from that. Would you just real quickly raise your hand and put it back down? Would you do that for me? Amen. Wow. All around this place. Thank you for your honesty. Not to me, but to the Lord. The second person I want to pray for is that you've received God's grace and you know he's in your heart. <laughs> you know he's there. You know that he's forgiven you, but you're right now having to walk through the consequences of sin. You're having to go through, and it's in the form of building back a relationship, trying to maybe get, you know, you're working to just build, restore some things in your life. And you just say, you know what, that's me. I know God's forgiven me, but I still feel like I'm in that season where I'm rebuilding what, from the mistakes that I've made. I want to pray with you as well. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down? You know what, Pastor Mark, that's me. Wow, praise the Lord. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. God, first and foremost, I thank you, God, for your amazing grace. I thank you for your amazing love that you have for us. God, I look in in my life, God, and I see the mistakes that I've made. God, I'm so grateful, dear Lord, that you've forgiven me, God. And then you've helped me to continue to move forward. And God, I pray for those that are here that are just feeling the weight of sin. They know they've been forgiven, but they still feel guilty. God, that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
And I ask you, dear Lord, that you would just give them freedom. God, I pray that their, your grace would become so, so alive in their life today, this, this afternoon. God, that the weight of that sin, God, would be left here. It doesn't go with them as they leave this afternoon to their homes, God. It's go back to their marriages, back to their work. God, I pray that your grace would cover that and let them know that you have forgiven them and you have forgotten their sin. God, I pray for those that right now they know that they've been forgiven. They know that you're, in, that you, that you're living in their heart. But God, they also recognize, God, that because of their mistakes, they have the consequences. They have to, they have to work through it. They have to rebuild. They have to change. They have to, whatever it may, may, may be. God, I pray for them right now. God, you saw those hands. They know that your grace is real, and they know that they've received your grace. But God, just give them the encouragement, God, that, that whatever they're working through, whatever they're having to rebuild because of their past mistakes, God, that you've already paid the price. And Lord, that you would just help them during this season, dear Lord, to continue to trust in you. That God, if you have given the, done the, made the, the first huge step by, by sending your son, Jesus Christ, God, let them know that they can continue to move forward that they can get through this season in their life. And God, I just thank you once again, dear Lord. I thank you, God, for your amazing love that you have for us. It's not because we've earned it or deserve it, but it is simply because you love us. And I pray, dear Lord, that today we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. And that we would respond, dear Lord, by wanting more of you, dear Lord. That we would want more of you and that we would recognize, God, that you have paid the ultimate price through your son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we rejoice today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a strong amen and amen. Come on, would you just give the Lord a praise clap offering today?